I hope you're all alive today because the Lord is risen and this is the Lord's day. The topic that I would like to speak to you this morning is on becoming a great commission church. Becoming a great commission church to some extent and maybe even to a great extent. Grace Baptist Church is a missional church. But I want to provoke you this morning to become even more a great commission church. Hear this carefully. I'm not saying great commission pastors, great commission elders, great commission leaders. What I'm saying is great commission church, which means all of us, whether you are a young man or a young woman, whether you are an old man or an old woman, whether you are single or married, or whatever your station of life is, we are all called to become a great commission church. I'm reminded of uh, one of the great theologians whom we lost uh, to heavenly glory recently, John Stott is known as one of the most hundred influential men in the world. A great theologian, author, he said this statement, and I want you to pay careful attention to what he said. We should not ask what is wrong with the world, for that diagnosis has already been given. Rather, we should ask what has happened to salt and light. God intends us to penetrate the world. The problem is not with the world because the diagnosis has already been given. The problem is with the church because we are forgetting our mission in the church, in the world, and that is to penetrate the world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm basically an expositional preacher. I'm preaching back at home through Hebrews, but today I'm preaching a topical message because I want to leave you with a great challenge to become a great commission church. And there are six factors that I would like to share with you. First, promise. Second, price. Third, prescription. Fourth, pattern. Fifth, practice. Prayer. And the sixth is prayer. And I hope it will take till evening by the time I finish these six factors. And I believe that he also had breakfast and lunch and came together. Don't worry, I'm going to finish soon. <laughs> the first thing that I would like to share with you is on promise. The Great Commission is dependent on the promise. This was a time when the Lord Jesus asked his disciples a very grand question. Who do you think I am? Several people gave several responses. And the Lord Jesus finally said, in Matthew chapter 16, in response to the reply of Peter. Matthew 16, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail 
against it. One of the grandest promises of the Lord Jesus Christ that we see written in the Holy Scripture is this. I tell you, you are Peter and on this rock, I know that there is a great debate between Protestants and the Roman Catholics on what is this rock. But we believe that when Peter said, you are Christ, and when the Lord Jesus said, on this rock, he is speaking about the confession of Peter about who Jesus is. In other words, what the Lord Jesus is saying here is that, on myself, on the confession of who I am, I will build my church and no gates of hell shall prevail against it. And what a grand promise that we see. The Lord Jesus said that I will build my church. Church belongs to me. And I tell you, dear church, this morning, you don't belong to any organization or to any man. You and I and we belong to the beloved Savior, the maker of the heavens and the earth, and the redeemer of sinners, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that, I will build my church. When he said, I will build, it means that I will save my people. Whom I have chosen before the foundations of the world. I will gather them as my community. I will sanctify them. And eventually I will glorify them. But how this promise is going to be fulfilled. There is a price that has to be paid for the promise of the Lord Jesus to be fulfilled. That is, I will build my church. And what is the price that we see for this promise to be fulfilled? We see that in the book of Acts chapter 8 verse 28. The price is mentioned here. Paul was speaking to Ephesian elders and these are the words of life spoken to them. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. Hear this carefully. The church that Christ promised to build was bought at a price. And the price was not the blood of animals. The price was not the self-efforts of human beings. The price was not the accomplishment of any man. The Bible tells here the price was Christ's own blood. And the blood speaks about that he gave his life to purchase his church. He gave his life to build his church. Why should he have to give his life? Because the Holy Bible declares that all have sinned. All have gone away from the living God. And as a result of sinning against God and disobedience against him, people, sinners, have become object of God's condemnation and wrath. And they deserve the eternal punishment of God because of the sins they have committed. And by no means they can save themselves from God's condemnation. Their good works, their efforts, their strength, their achievements, nothing will save them from sin. For this reason, 
The Holy Bible declares that the maker of the heavens and the earth, the God who made the entire universe, he became a man, one among us. He walked on the dusty streets of the earth. He was insulted, humiliated, persecuted, eventually went to the cross, shed his own blood, offered his own body, gave his life on the cross, satisfying the justice of God, demonstrating the love of God, so that by his death on the cross, by his own blood, he might purchase the church that he promised, I will build. And that Christ who died has risen from the dead. And because he rose, all those who repent of their sins and believe in him have the glorious hope of eternal life. And I want to share with you, tell you this morning, if any person over here sitting who is an unbeliever, who do not know Christ personally, you might be coming to church, but yet not have come to Christ. You might have been grown up in a Christian family, but yet not know Christ personally. I plead with you this morning. I beg you in the name of Christ, Please repent of your sins and believe in Christ who died for you and rose from the dead so that you and I can be part of the glorious community that Christ promised, I will build my church. And those who are saved, let's all join together with Christ in building his church. But the question that comes to us is, how does Christ build his church? What is our role in fulfilling his promise. And that is what we see in the prescription in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. A while ago, Pastor Jamie has read this for us. And this is how Christ is going to build his church. And this is the only way, please hear this carefully, as Christ is the only way to heaven, the prescription, the great commission, the mandate is the only way Christ builds his church. And what is the mandate here? And Jesus came and said to his disciples, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, of all ethnicities, of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age. We see here that there is one command and three participles and the one command is to make disciples. The mandate is to make disciples. Church is a disciple making community. Amen? Amen. Shall we all say this? Church is a disciple-making community. You can repeat with me. Amen. And how does this happen? How disciples are going to be made? The Lord Jesus said that by going, by baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and by teaching them to obey all I have commanded. The goal of great commission is to make obedient disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's a great commission that has been given to the apostles. And the apostles gave it to the church. And it is a responsibility of the church to make sure that this great commission is fulfilled. It cannot just happen by pastors or elders. The whole church should work together to fulfill the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you say that I am a part of Grace Baptist Church which Christ purchased by his own blood, I want to tell you and remind you this morning, you have a responsibility in this church to contribute, to give yourself for the fulfillment of the Great Commission. And how this is going to happen, what does it mean to fulfill the Great Commission? We see the pattern in the book of Acts. The fourth one, the pattern how Christ's great commission is fulfilled. How Christ is going to build his church. We see the grand opening, the inauguration of the church in Acts chapter 2. And when the Holy Spirit came upon the church, and when church was birthed in Acts chapter 2, and when the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit, people were wondering, bewildered, what happened to these people? What language are they speaking? Why are they berserk in their behavior? And Peter stood up and he preaches straightly the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is the only hope for the lost souls. And when Peter preached the gospel and when the people heard the gospel, we saw a tremendous response in verse 37. Acts 2 verse 37. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? What shall we do to be saved? Peter responds in verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Verse 40, and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And now when these people repented and believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, verse 41 says, so those who received his word were baptized. Remember the great commission, going, preaching the gospel, baptizing them. And these people who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ were baptized. And the scripture declares that, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Wow. We see how the Great Commission is being fulfilled. Christ promised to build his church. Christ paid the price for the church. Now he entrusted the task of the Great Commission to the church. And they preached the gospel. And they began to baptize people who believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened right after that? A lot of people stop, put a period to verse 1. Forgetting... What is in verse 2? There is a disconnection. They see that. But verse 2 is a continuation of verse 41. And Acts 2, 42 declares here. And they, who are they here? Those people who believed in the gospel. Those people who were baptized. What happened immediately? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the press. 
What do you see has happened immediately after these people believed in the gospel? They were baptized and they began to be taught to be obedient disciples of the Lord Jesus. But in what context? We see that in the book of Acts chapter 2, the great commission was fulfilled in the pattern of planting a church. The first church that was planted is in Jerusalem. So what did Jesus mean when he said that? Going, baptizing, teaching. What did he say? What he meant in these words is that. He said, go and plant churches. Because it is in the context of the local church, disciples are made. It is in the context of the local church that people are baptized. And that is what we see throughout the book of Acts. If you see the book of Acts, we see clearly that the great commission was fulfilled in church planting. We see in Acts 2, church planting in Jerusalem. We see in Acts 8, church planting in Samaria. We see in Acts 10, church planting in Caesarea. We see in Acts 11, church planting in the Antioch of Syria. We see in Acts 13, church planting in the Antioch of Pisidia. We see in Acts 14, church planting in Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. We see in Acts 15, church planting in Philippi. We see in Acts 16, church planting in Thessalonica and Berea. We see in Acts 18, church planting in Corinth. We see in Acts 19, church planting in Ephesus. Throughout the book of Acts, throughout the book of Acts, we see that the gospel was proclaimed, people were baptized, churches were planted in which disciples were made to become obedient to the word of the living God. So what does it mean to fulfill the Great Commission? It means not just preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel is very important. But just preaching the gospel is not fulfilling the Great Commission. Doing social work and community development is not fulfilling the Great Commission. Social reformation and social justice is not fulfilling the Great Commission. The Great Commission is planting biblical, healthy churches. The Great Commission is planting biblical, healthy churches. I'm reminded of what Dave Early, pastor and associate professor of pastoral leadership for Liberty Baptist Theological Seminary said, hear this carefully, the way the first followers of Jesus carried out the Great Commission directly resulted in the planting of churches, youth camps, concerts, coffee houses, and other ministries are all good. They can be helpful in the process of fulfilling the Great Commission. But the ultimate fulfillment of the Great Commission is church planting. The ultimate fulfillment of the Great Commission is church planting. There is really no way to fulfill the Great Commission apart from the local church. May I repeat these words once again? There is really no way to fulfill the Great Commission apart from the local church. So here is a challenge to you from India. As we took a challenge from Great Commission to Grace Baptist Church. If you want to become a church that looks like the book of Acts, let us be devoted to church planting. Amen? 
Let us not be settled with our own existence in a particular place, but grow and multiply and be a great commission church by spreading the gospel and planting churches. And I want to remind you this morning, dear church, church planting is not essentially the responsibilities of organizations and missions. It is the responsibility of the local church. And I see this in America and all over the world. And as I have been staying here for a while, I see that the great need of America, the great need of the states of America, the great need of the counties of America, the great need of the nations of America is planting biblical healthy churches. I see that old churches are dying. Churches are becoming empty. People are lost. The old churches are dying. And the false churches are rising to a great extent. There is a great need for us to plant biblical, healthy churches. But how do we practice this? How do we practice this? I've shared with you about the promise, the price, the pattern. And also of this now comes is practice. The practice I would like to share with you briefly, quickly, I would like to go with the practice and then finally end up in prayer. How do we, as a church, plant churches? The very first thing I want to remind you from the word of God is praying. The gospel of Matthew chapter 9 verse 35, Jesus said, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Verse 36, and when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Verse 38, hearken the church. Therefore, pray earnestly. Hear these words, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his church. Great commission begins with an earnest prayer to burden the hearts of the men in the church that they would rise and be sent to reap the harvest. And this is our prayer too, back at home in Hyderabad, we continuously praying that Lord burden the hearts of the men. I know that all men cannot go, but Lord burden the hearts of some men in the church so that they would get a heart for the lost and go and plant churches. Hear this carefully, dear brothers and sisters. Great commission fulfillment or church planting is not in the power of money. It is not in the power of any man. It is in the power of the hands of the sovereign God. And that is why the Lord Jesus said here that the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are for you. So what should you do? He said that pray honestly. I want to ask you, dear brothers and sisters here, do you pray earnestly that the Lord would burden the hearts of some men in the church, that they would would rise as church planters? If you're not doing that, let us start today. Lord, raise up. And I'm telling you, you know, we are seeing in Hyderabad how the Lord is burdening the hearts of the men as we pray, coming up and telling that, Lord, we want to become church planters. We want to do something for the kingdom of God. 
And that happens through prayer. The second thing that we see how we practice this is train. Identifying these faithful men and training them. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, Paul writes to Timothy, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The term entrust implies training and entrusting the responsibility. The church should be involved in training men for church planting. I keep telling in our church back at home that please don't think that training these men who have committed themselves to plant churches is the responsibility of just the elders and pastors. We all should be involved. Invite them to your homes. Speak into their lives. Pray for them. Encourage them so that they would be faithful and able men in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. We all as a church should be involved along with the elders and leaders to train men in convictions, to see that they are biblically qualified men molding their character and also honing their competence so that they would become able teachers of the word of God. And not only praying and training, the third thing is go or accompany or sin. Go or accompany or sin. The Lord Jesus said to his disciples in the gospel of John 20, 21, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And how did he send them? He sent them with a great commission, going, baptizing, teaching. But going should happen. Intentionality, efforts are involved in this going. But not all may go. Only some men will go. And some can even accompany. I know, you know, some believers, when some people went to plant churches, some believers intentionally moved and shifted to that particular place so that they can be involved in the Lord's work. They left their comforts, they left their dreams so that they can be a blessing to the body of Christ. Going, accompanying, or sending. All of us can be involved here in some way or the other. We we can either go or accompany or send. None can say that. I think there is no category for me to be applied here. The book of Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But verse 15 says it very clearly. How are they to preach unless they are sent? I love what John Piper said. He said that there are only three kinds of Christians in the churches. Only three kinds of churches, uh, Christians when it comes to world missions or fulfilling the Great Commission. He said that first, zealous goers. Second, zealous senders. And third, disobedient. Either there are zealous goers, zealous senders, or disobedient. They want to live the American dream that I want to have a nice house, nice package, 
nice luxuries in my life, having a ticket to go to heaven, and one day I die, and I will enter into the kingdom of God. But no heart to invest their lives in the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, that is not what Christian life is. We are called to die to self. We are called to drive to our dreams and fulfill the dream of God. Fulfill the kingdom of God. Fulfill the will of God. We are called to devote ourselves to take up our cross and follow Christ and see that the Christ who died for us and rose from the dead will be supreme. The fourth one, pray or you can pray, train, go, accompany or send and fourth, give. Philippians chapter 4 verse 14, Paul said here that, yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. You know, as I keep going here and there, and one of the reasons I see that, why men are not trained in the churches? Why men are not sent to plant churches? Is because believers are not generous in their giving so that they can send these men to plant churches. Because it costs money to support church planters. It costs money to support their families. And if we really believe that I am a part of this great commission, then the Bible says that we are not only to pray, train, or either go or accompany or send, we should also be generous givers. And I am a pastor, and I love giving. I, I, I not only support the church, but I also support other men because giving is a great habit of generous Christians who love to be a part of the Great Commission. And if you want to see this happening, dear brothers and sisters, we must give generously so that we can fulfill the Great Commission. I'm reminded of what uh, Randy Alcorn, author of Eternal Perspective, says here. Hear this carefully in these few words. The opportunities for using our financial resources to spread the gospel and strengthen the church all over the world are greater than they have ever been. As God raised up Esther for just such a time as hers, I am convinced he has raised us up with all of our wealth to help fulfill the Great Commission. The question is, what are we doing with that money? Our job is to make sure it gets to its intended recipients. It gets to its intended recipients. We must give so that we can fulfill the Great Commission faithfully. And finally, as I spoke to you about the promise, and the promise is that Christ builds his church, and as I spoke to you about the price that Christ paid the price of his blood to build his church. And as I shared with you about the prescription to fulfill the great commission, and as I shared with you about the pattern that we see throughout the book of Acts, church planting is how great commission is going to be fulfilled. And as I shared with you about the practice, how we can pray, how we can train, how we can go or accompany or send, and how we must generously give so that this great commission will be fulfilled. My final thing is prayer. The final thing that I want to share 
is prayer. And the Lord himself has taught us to pray. We live in a personal needs-driven society where our prayers are essentially about career, job, children, health, house, positions, pleasure trips. Have you ever thought what God wants me to pray? What God wants me to aim in my Christian life? I'm reminded of that beautiful prayer which many of us know and that is the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6 from verses 9 to 10. You know, he began, the Lord Jesus began saying that, do not pray like Gentiles who by many words think that the Father hears them. And the Lord Jesus said that the Father knows your needs even before you ask him. You know why Jesus said that? What he's saying in those words, do not pray like Gentiles. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. What he's telling is that don't be preoccupied with your personal needs and dreams when you pray. That is how Gentiles pray. That is how pagans pray. That is how heathens pray. Because all they think about is my kingdom, my will, my dreams, my wishes, and my desires. These are how Gentiles pray. And I'm sorry to say that many Christians pray like Gentiles and heathens in their prayers. Maybe not be like them. And the Lord Jesus said, this is how you should pray. And you know what he said? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your prayers should be dominated by three factors. Essentially, this is what we see the Lord Jesus taught us in his prayer. And this prayer is very much in contrast to how heathens, pagans pray. And that prayer should be dominated by God's glory. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your prayers should be dominated by God's kingdom. Let your kingdom come. Your prayers should be dominated by God's will. Your will be done. It is God's kingdom, God's glory, God's glory that should essentially drive our prayers. And what you pray is what you become. In other words, that is how essentially our lives should be driven. And then the Lord Jesus said in verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. But the modern church is only concerned about give us today our daily bread. Not about God's kingdom, God's glory, and God's will. And I want to challenge you as I come to an end. Dear brothers and sisters, we are called for God's glory. We are called for God's kingdom. We are called for God's will. Church is not just about attending Sunday services where we sing, where we hear the word, and just leave and again, come back on Sunday. That is not essentially the church, although these are very important. One of the most essential things that God has given to us is to fulfill the Great Commission, is to glorify God's, king, God's name, is to seek God's kingdom, is to seek God's will. But how this is going to happen, as the prayer is offered here, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done, how it is going to happen? It is going to happen through Christ's promise who said, 
I will build my church. It is going to be fulfilled through Christ's price who shed his blood on the cross and died and rose from the dead. It is going to be fulfilled through Christ's prescription which is to fulfill the great commission. It is going to be fulfilled through the pattern of the apostles that are laid in the book of Acts that is to plant churches. It is through our obedience to fulfill the God's great commission by planting churches, by being active in making obedient disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, that God's name is glorified, God's kingdom will come, and God's will be done. And the challenge that I would like to leave you today is that are you willing to become a great commission church? Some of you may be passive and not so active in the mission of the church. Go to your elders and say that. How can I pray for the men to rise from our church? How can I be a part of this great commission? And some, if God is burdening you to leadership or for church planting, go to your elders and say that. I see that God is burdening my heart. Will you please train me? Will you please equip me? And you go to your elders and say that. How can I give so that I can be a blessing to the body of Christ, to the kingdom of God. Naked a man comes and naked he goes, but what he gives will be stored in heaven. Go to your elders and let's all work together in how to become a great commissioned church. I want to leave you with the challenge of C.T. Stead, who said a few decades ago, only one life and it will soon be passed. Only what has done for Christ will last. Only one life it will soon be passed. And what has been done for Christ will last. Shall we all stand together and pray that, Lord, I want to be a part of this grand, great commission. I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to die as if I never lived. I want to live a life to glorify your name, to fulfill your kingdom and will. And use me. I beg you, dear brothers and sisters, Please pray that, Lord, use me for your glory. Use me for your kingdom. Use me for your will. And if anyone here who has not been saved by the grace of God, I call upon you to repent of your sins and believe in the Lord Jesus who loved you and gave his life for your sins on the cross and become a part of this grand, great commission and eagerly wait for the Lord's coming. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the prayer that we are taught in your word. We thank you for the promise of your son, Jesus, that he will build his church. We thank you for the price he paid on the cross for our sins. We don't deserve it. We cannot earn it. But he died for our sins and rose from the dead. And if there is anyone here who is unsaved, who is going to hell, who is living a nominal Christian life without hope of eternal glory. I plead with you, Lord, this morning, have mercy on them and bring them to the cross. And you love them, you care for them, and we pray that you lead them to the cross and save them and build their lives in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all those who are saved, Heavenly Father, we beg you, help us never to set our hearts on this world the world and his desires pass away. Naked we came and naked we go. We were born, we were kids, we were young. We became old 
and very soon we are going to be buried and our souls are going to appear before you, before the judgment seat of Christ. Lord, before we die, give us the grace to be a part of the grand mission you have entrusted to the church to fulfill the great commission. Our Lord Jesus, before he died, said it is finished. The dear apostle Paul, before he died, he said, I have fought a good fight of faith. I have finished the race. May we not die saying it is unfinished. We failed the race. We wasted our lives living for ourselves. For Lord, may these words not be on our mouths. We pray that you're pleased to give us your grace to finish the task you have given to us. And uh, as your servant, as your chosen vessel, Lord, I pray for Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for this wonderful church. Thank you for the leaders of this church who are so passionate for missions. So few churches are there in America like this who are devoted to missions. Pray that this burden would increase even more and more. Pray that many men would be raised in this church and burdened in this church, consumed with the passion to fulfill the Great Commission. And all believers would be praying for such men, some of them even joining with them for church planting. And may all of us give generously so that we can see churches being planted and supported by the grace and mercy of the living God. And Lord, until our dear beloved Savior comes, may we not just pray, but live a life according to the prayer that we are taught in the word of God. And may we all say together, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those who sin against us. And do not let us fall into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.